Welcome in, everybody. It's Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. My name is Matt Rury, and tonight we've got a crazy show for you. There's a lot of different topics we're going to hit tonight. And uh, number one being the professional football championship game. Calvin, are we allowed to say Super Bowl on this on this air, these airwaves? I mean, we don't make any money from this, so I'd imagine we can probably say Super Bowl and get away with it. But yeah, of maybe course. we can. Yeah. I'm just going to say it, and then if Nick tells me not to after the fact, I can go back and erase this. <laughs> of course, uh, the Super Bowl is uh, copyrighted, so the NFL has, has the rights to use the word Super Bowl, especially during these two weeks, uh, which is why in my write-up today, I told everyone that we were going to be covering the upcoming professional American football championship competition. Uh, is that what it's called? That's what I'm calling it. Is that too, is that too long winded? Uh, yeah, let's just call it the uh, NFL champion or the Super Bowl. <laughs> we're going to call it the yeah. Super Bowl. I'm just looking around. Uh, but it is it is a huge game, obviously, the big game, and around here, people are starting to to I don't know get riled up, They're starting to get lubed up. Calvin, They're, they want it, they want this thing, they want it done, they want it over with. But the problem that I have with the people around here is while Atlanta radio guys are giving themselves too much credit, I don't think it's the Patriots radio guys and the Patriots fans in general are giving Atlanta enough credit. And this, this is a ripe opportunity for, the, for the, the Falcons to do to the Patriots what the Patriots did to the St. Louis Rams back when Tom Brady and Bill Belichick won their first Super Bowl as huge underdogs going into that game. I, that's what I would say to warn the players. If, if, I, if I were coaching them, if I were Bill Belichick, you got to at least mention that. Like, hey, Go out and do your business. Don't worry about who's the good team and who's getting pumped up and who's getting disrespected because you were there. We were there at one point. Not not many of those guys in there in the room, but Brady was there for sure, and Belichick was there. Uh, so the point is I'm just a little concerned about all the inflation that everybody's doing around here that karma is going to come back somehow to, to bite the Patriots and uh, Atlanta's going to pull this one off. I'm just concerned. I think the Patriots are, are the better team, but it should be a close enough game that a fluky thing can send it the other direction, just like it did in the Giants game with that that amazing catch down the field by David Tyree. And just like it it did for the Patriots – in the Super Bowl against the Rams, when they just went on that last that 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 last drive for the last whatever forty seconds of the game, went down and kicked that field goal. Nobody even thought they were going to st- be in that game, let alone have a chance to win it, uh, or at, let alone win it, I should say, at the end with that field goal. So I would just have the Patriots fans heed that warning because they get a little too cocky recently, Calvin. So that's my my initial thought here. On the Super Bowl. Very, that was so much hot sports analysis. I guess my first question in response to you is: Does this mean that you care about football again? Has football returned to your heart? That, that no, football has not returned to my heart. But I would love it if if uh, 
Patriots could give a big F you to the league and say, hey, after all the crap you drag, dragged us through last year, over the past 18 months, we came out on top, and there's nothing you can do about it. Of course, there's going to be haters. There's going to be people that, that accuse them of doing some other sorts of cheating. We'll see what comes out after this week. You know, somebody's going to have some sort of story. Who knows if it's true? That type of thing. But if they win this one, then I think that just cements the legacy for both Brady and Belichick. And there's nothing anybody can really say about it in my mind. Really, I feel like the us versus them mentality is it, it's it's at the heart of sports. Like I don't, you, you talk about how like Patriots fans or you know what's going on on the radios and giving the Patriots too much credit and they're uh, discounting the Falcons and maybe in Atlanta they're giving the Falcons too much credit in your in your mind. But in the end, and then I would say the same thing for the actual teams. You know, like if uh, if Kyle Shanahan says something uh, about the Patriots. And Bill Belichick makes a note of it, and he, you know, says something to the media, and then says something to his team about how they're. Do, do you think any of that matters in the end? Because I don't. I don't think the any talk, of that ever No, matters. I don't think the talk matters. But I just I feel like sometimes it trickles down to the players. As far as the coaches are concerned, I don't think they're bothered by it. But it, I think it tr- does trickle down to the players, especially with media week happening, not just media day, media media week, basically down there in Houston. I feel like some guys buckle under that pressure and that's where it's the coach's job and, and some of the veteran players job to make sure that those guys are prepared for any questions that are thrown their way. Cause there are all sorts of quirky, stupid little questions that don't mean anything that other coaches might try and, and blow up into, into a, a bigger thing and use as motivation. So I think that's the biggest thing as far as coaches are concerned in Super Bowl week is the preparation of their players to deal with the media and all, all, all just the spotlight and all that. Because quite frankly, I don't think either one of these coaching staffs need two weeks to prepare for the other team. So they've both gotten this far. Dan Quinn has shown that he's a capable coach in this league. Atlanta it looks, looks pretty damn good. If you ask me, I think that both teams are going to come out ready to play. It's just a matter of how they dealt with them mentally throughout the week because I think the execution type of things and, and the plays and all that, the game, I think they, they can figure that out in a few days because that's what they're used to, you know? So it, it's more about the mental preparation for this game. Yeah, it's funny that you – because you said a couple of minutes ago that you, you feel like the Patriots are the better team, but I, I kind of don't. I, honestly, I'm not really even rooting against the Patriots – uh, you might think that I'm a Patriot hater, but it's like, you know, the Giants beat the Patriots two times in the Super Bowl, so it's not really – I don't live in New England, so I don't really have to deal with the, you know, obnoxious, obnoxiousness of Patriots fans on the regular versus, like, some other Giants fans in New York. So lucky. Deal with, so, yeah, so I don't really have to deal with that. We don't have too many Patriots fans. Um I will be rooting for the Falcons because I like the story a little, you know, the, of the team that you know never had a Super Bowl win, or basically the city of Atlanta has never had a uh, a sports win, right? Other than the uh, Atlanta Braves in 1995. Um, so, and, and I just find that team to be more fun. But I, I I also tend to think, and I've said this, you know, before, I I just think that the AFC this year was a little bit weak, including the the, the Patriots. Yes. You know, credit, credit to Belichick for uh, 
having the the number one scoring defense in the league, but I I just feel like that defense is a little bit of a paper tiger. I don't I don't feel like they're as good as just the the, the bare numbers suggest. If you look at you know the teams they played in uh, DVOA and things like that, it would it would suggest that I'm that I'm accurate. I don't put all my eggs in that basket, but I just have a hard time believing that they're going to stop the Falcons offense even if they don't even if they don't have 100% uh, of Julio Jones which I feel like Julio's going to be fine but he's also you know he's also Julio Jones and he's like basically 6-5 you you're going to say oh, well we'll just put Malcolm Butler on him but I don't I think Julio's just got too much size on him I don't think it's going to necessarily be a matter of who you're going to put on Julio Jones. I, I think you're going to have to build some sort of scheme around him, some sort of double teaming sometimes, and sometimes you maybe play him a zone. You're going to have to give him receptions in the middle of the field if he wants them. You're going to have to give him short receptions at the, at the sideline. What you do as a Patriots, though, is stop the deep ball. And if they can find a way to, to figure that out and stop the big play from, from Atlanta, then I think that's how you negate Julio Jones. And you, you should worry about other phases of their offense because they have other players that can, that can do damage. Obviously their, their quarterback is a guy that he's not extremely mobile, but he can run a little bit. And their two running backs are a, a tandem that is pretty much unmatched in the NFL this year. I don't know. Can you come up with two running backs on the same team that per- perform better than these two guys? I can't off the top of I my mean, head. Yeah. The closest that you could come is, is maybe D'Angelo Williams and, and Le'Veon Bell, but even then, you know, once Le'Veon came back, he did most of the work. But, but yeah, outside of that, uh, right? So guys, the, the, yeah. if you so that's the thing. There's a lot to, to focus on if you're the Patriots defense. So whether you're Patricia or Belichick, you've got you've, you've got to tell these guys, listen, we can give up these short plays. Let them let them run the offense like. Brady runs the offense if you want, but don't give up touchdowns, give up field goals. If you have to give up points at all. And I, I just, I feel like if, if they can keep the big play out of Atlanta's playbook and keep it from working, then that's, that's their key to performing better on defense and giving the offense a chance to win without having to score 35 or 40 points. But I feel like people don't realize how good that offense is. You know, if you if you just look at again, look at the the numbers that they put up, they they're one of like the five or six best offenses in NFL history. Absolutely. And, and I don't I don't hear them getting that sort of credit. I think maybe it's because Ryan sort of had a couple of bad years, and a lot of people thought he was in decline. Uh, I think maybe it has to do with the fact that you know they really didn't have the pieces around him, especially like at offensive line. He didn't have the time to throw the ball. He's one of those quarterbacks who like doesn't necessarily function at his best under extreme pressure, but I think they have so many weapons. It's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to, to consistently get pressure in on Matt Ryan and especially because their O-line is better and not uh, expect, expect him to torch them down the field. I just have a hard time believing the Patriots with, with their offense that they're, they're going to try to run, which is, you know, again, move the ball uh, in you know, West Coast offense style fits and chunks, 
I have a hard time believing they'll keep up with them offensively during this game. So I mean, maybe that's I'm wrong, the thing, though. The, the Patriots say, do have a little bit of big play potential this year on offense. They just haven't really showed it too much. But I think Chris Hogan has some big play potential. He's hooked up with Brady a couple times in the past few weeks. Uh, and I, I, that, that's that's what I would look at for them. So they, you have to be careful with them, too, because they can take the top off the thing, too, and they can go downfield. Brady doesn't have the arm that these younger quarterbacks have, but he can still chuck it 20, 30 yards downfield for a big play. And uh, as far as making making defenders miss, I think some of the Patriots receivers are pretty good at that, too. So I would be more concerned if I w- was Bill Belichick looking at both sides of the ball with – the defense and trying to, again, not give up that huge play because Calvin, you said it, they have a great offense. I'm looking at this Atlanta team and saying they're going to score at least 20 points. If you can hold Atlanta to 20 as the new England Patriots right now, I think you're in pretty good shape. I think you can, you can win the game 24, 20, 28, 20, something like that. But if you start having to, to do this shootout thing with them and they're going to score 35 or 40 points on you, then that's where I think the Patriots might be in trouble Their Their defense needs to, needs to bend and not break it more than ever before to use the cliche that they've been throwing out there for the last 15 years. I like the confidence. I feel like you, you, you feel pretty good that the Patriots are going to win. So do you think what, what's the line on this game? My, my internet. It's only, it's only three or two and a half, something like that. Patriots favored to it by two and a half. Do you think that's fair? Sort of uh, like yeah, I think that's fair. I'm look, I'm, like I said, I'm looking at like 24 to 20, something like that. That's so. I, I think that's fair. I think you can even you can even look at uh, like a, a just a, a field goal wins the game. Just like I said about the uh, the Patriots Rams so many years ago, field goal could win this game. I think it's going to be a close game for sure, and that's that's why I'm kind of concerned about a high scoring game because I think Atlanta has the edge in that situation. But if you're looking at a close game, that's 18 to 20, or it's, it's, uh, I don't know, 24 to 21 going into the last couple of minutes, then I would, I would expect that score to either flip or go into overtime or something like that and get extended out. Cause that's just how close I think this matchup is. I just think the Patriots are a little bit better. They've been there before. And like I said earlier, the mental preparation is a big thing when it comes to the Super Bowl. People don't really talk about that, but it's a, it's a different game. It's 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 the schedule of the game is different. Your the timeouts are longer, halftime is longer, every little aspect of it is different. So you still need to keep focus. And that's that's where teams that win the Super Bowl do a little bit better job. They can stay focused. Uh, and the Patriots have shown that they've been able to do that in the past. Atlanta it, it definitely has gotten further than a lot of people expected them to. So maybe this team has that ability and it's going to be a real tough matchup for the, for the Pats in the, in the second half of this game too. Cause uh, that's, that's where depending on the, how the first half goes, that's where you really need to keep your focus. Cause that halftime is long. Yeah. I guess that's, that's where uh, that, that's what makes me hesitate to just outright, uh, think that the Falcons are going to win. It's the fact that the Patriots have so much experience uh, in these situations. You know, Brady and Belichick, yeah, but like you know, they played so many. Yeah, even even the current incarnation of this team, in just the last couple of years, they've been in so many playoff games. Uh, it it's hard for me to think that that won't matter at all. And obviously, Belichick's ability to coach like Dan Quinn never been in this situation. So 
I think if, if if they hold an edge anywhere, it's it's right there. Just the, the ability to stay cool under fire, or really more like not get nervous in the Super Bowl, which I've seen happen to so many teams over the first half. Of, of I think if if the Falcons get down, it could be a situation where the Patriots start running the ball, and then maybe all, all of a sudden, yeah, they, it is a 24-20 game or you know a 2017 game. But it, I think if the Falcons come out early and they, and they score quickly, then it might be difficult to stop them at that point. Yep, as long as the Patriots keep their cool and, and I, I don't know, make sure that they stay focused and everything and execute, I think that the, the coaching staff for them is going gonna, is gonna to provide a better opportunity for the team to win. So it's, it comes down to execution and maybe some big plays, and that's where I keep going back to that. The Patriots let up a few big plays from Julio Jones, and, and Matt Ryan or anyone else on that team for that matter, if they ignore anyone because they have a lot of talent up and down that roster, then they're in for, they're in for a big surprise. And I think a lot of people around here are just chalking it up as another, as Brady's fifth Super Bowl, And everybody's going to cement their legacy as, as the best coach quarterback tandem. And all this history is going to be made this weekend. And to me, it just, it just reminds me of, what I felt was the national sentiment about the St. Louis Rams when nobody thought that the Patriots deserved to be there. The greatest show on turf, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, these guys are unbeatable. I just, I would hesitate to outright pick the Patriots right right now because of that, but I think they're going to win the game, and I, I think they do have it. I just, I don't want to be as, as uh, boisterous about it as everybody else in New England has been for the last week and a half. They, it's nonstop. Just everybody thinks they're going to win. No, I haven't heard a single person pick the, the, the Falcons in this game, and I'm I'm not picking them either. But it just it seems it seems aggressive from everyone around here. So I'm trying to back off a little bit. Okay. Well, I think uh, I think that's good on the Patriots. You know, you know what else is trying to back off? Yeah. You know, else is trying to back off a little bit, Ray. Uh, do you know? Is it, is it LeBron Davis. James? No, it's Mark Davis's financial supporters. Oh, it's Mark Davis, of, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn, I I blew that segue for you. My bad. So yeah, yeah, yeah. His financial supporters. Uh, well, he he had a guy who uh, owned a casino. This guy Alderman, who yeah, he was connected to casino owning, so he was going to have to get a dispensation from the NFL. Uh, to allow uh, somebody who does have a stake in the casino to uh, part owner of a team because he was going to be one of his financiers. Right now, uh, NFL rules prohibit that, but somehow uh, Mark Davis, like I don't know if he, he thought he was going to be able to get them to waive that rule, but apparently he changed his mind and, and decided uh, to move on without this guy Alderman, which – it in turn then uh, caused the other group that was helping the Raiders fa- finance their move, Goldman Sachs, uh, the financial financial institution. And they were only uh, agreeing to help back the Raiders under the idea that Alderman was splitting the cost with Mark Davis. They had no interest in financing just Davis. So now today they've pulled out, and now it, it feels like the Raiders are in quite a quite a bit of mess. <laughs> Uh, sounds like a clown show over there, led by the head clown Mark Davis. Wow, 
they are going to get stuck in Oakland. And I, wow, did their fans still show up at this point? Do you, or do you feel bitter? Like, what if San Diego doesn't move? Are, are their fans going to stick stick around there? I just, I, I feel like there's a certain point where, uh, as a fan base, if you realize that a team wants to go, it takes a little while to get that that back. And I, we, the Patriots fan base kind of felt that a little bit, and not not even close to it, because they were never going to leave New England. But just the talk of, of them leaving Foxborough for um, for Hartford not too long ago was people were upset about it. People didn't want them to to leave Massachusetts and go down to Connecticut and blah blah blah. So I'm just telling you, people around here get butthurt about the craziest things. Uh, so I just maybe it doesn't translate to San Diego fans or what have you, but I feel like at some point there is a, a time have, where a fan base, a fan base realizes that the team wants to go, and it's like screw you. Like if the Rams had turned around and tried to go back to St. Louis this year, do you think those, those fans would have shown up? I, I kind of doubt it. I mean, how far is Hartford from Foxborough? It's probably not that much different than the difference between San Diego and No, it's not that far. Well, that's, so that's why it would be even more emphasized for, for those types of fans. Uh, but, so the, uh, it, was, it, it wasn't that bad around here, but people were upset about it, some people anyway. It's not that far at all. Yeah, I know. I was just comparing it to the San Diego-L.A. situation. Thing the distance might be comparable. I mean, maybe not. Oh, it's but, like it's like a, a couple hours from Boston to, yeah. to Hartford, so it's probably only like an hour from Foxborough to Hartford, something like that. Oh, okay, so Foxborough is south of Boston. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is a geography lesson for the, for the day for uh, Calvin. So yeah, you know, I I've been sort of upset. I mean, not sort of upset, legitimately upset about the Chargers coming to Los Angeles on the, on the heels of the Rams already coming to Los Angeles, and I'm tired. Of, of the ease of which the these NFL owners are just moving their teams to in, in sort of betraying the fan bases and cities. And you're right. Uh, it will be interesting to see what happens if the Raiders have to go back to Oakland, but I'm, I'm rooting for it. Like Oakland didn't do anything wrong. Like, but look, he, he, to me, look, you want to blame San Diego for the, for the loss of the Chargers. That's somewhat fair because there is no more dispassionate fan base in the, in the NFL then the Chargers, like constantly, if you go to Charger games and you're a fan of the away team, you can just fill up and, you know, buy out the stadium. When they played the Raiders this year, it was like 80% Raider fans and 20% Charger fans. I've, was- I've actually heard, the, heard that from a friend of mine who used to live in San Diego and would buy, he said, like $15 tickets to go see the Patriots play out there and that it was 75% Patriots fans at that point. And that's sad because that's all the way across the country. Yeah, their their performance as a fan base is somewhat embarrassing, and some of it has to do with the fact that the nature of the city of San Diego is kind of just casual dispassion anyway. You know, it, they're not very like uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. They're not they're not too attached to their hometown to the degree of like yeah, they they are attached to their hometown, but they're not like they don't have this jingoistic pride in San Diego to the degree that they're going to really support the Chargers in, to the exclusion of, like, not selling their tickets to any other team. So I sort of get why they want to leave. But, like, to, to my mind, again, even though Oakland's not the biggest place, are, are there a more passionate group of fans than Raiders fans? Like, does, do they really deserve to have their team, like, shipped off to Las Vegas, a place uh, which, you know, a lot of people like and enjoy? And I'm, I hold nothing against Las Vegas at all. 
But Las Vegas, it, it definitely doesn't scream like passionate group of people who are natives, right? Natives Las Vegas people aren't aren't just no, super passionate about the definitely Raiders. not. When they yeah, when they started talking about the NHL going to Las Vegas a couple of years ago, I just remember people saying things like, uh, "Well, and now we can go to Vegas to see the Bruins play or something like that." And I think that Vegas, when they do in, in, uh, put their team in next year in the NHL, uh, they are going to have to rely on away team fans coming in and seeing their product because I'm not so sure that Vegas is is ready for a professional sports team. But we'll have to wait and see. I feel the same way. I feel like that's exactly what it's going to be. It's just another, uh, <laughs> it's just another stop for tourism, I, and, and I don't really think that's fair to do that to an NFL team, especially one that has a passionate fan base like the Raiders. So, even even if it has to happen through incompetence, and I, I guess if we're talking about the Raiders, it couldn't be any other way, right? But I'm glad. I guess what it, it's not they're not through the woods yet, but. I will be glad when this thing fails and they have to go back to Oakland with their tail between their legs. <laughs> yeah, that will be very interesting to wait and see on that one because uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe he's got another friend that he can try and get in his pocket and say, "Hey, got any money over there?" Or maybe, maybe old Al Davis has has an old buddy. God rest his soul. R.I.P. Al Davis. Maybe he's got a friend that his son can can reach out to to get some cash to move the Raiders out of town, but I just, at this point, everything that goes on over there, it sounds, I just have the Benny Hill theme song going around in my head when I think about what's happening with the Oakland Raiders front office, because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's embarrassing in an embarrassing league, which means you're the worst of the worst. And that's, that's pretty bad. Hi, Ray. That's enough football for tonight. I agree. A little bit. Yeah, I agree. Let's let's move on to the NBA stuff, the stuff that I know a little bit better, and that uh, we both enjoy more. So, Rory, you know who's angry? LeBron. <laughs> uh, LeBron. He's whining LeBron's again. LeBron angry. is not happy about things that are going on over there, isn't he? Is he? No, he's not happy at all. Uh, and and he's. He's angry at a lot of different people, actually. You know, uh, we've seen him comment up about Phil Jackson lately and the posse thing. Uh, we've seen him take shots at, at various guys throughout the league. It seems like, to, you know, to be fair to LeBron, uh, I've been critical of him over the years for being passive-aggressive with his uh, anger towards people. He seems to uh, be closer to just being comfortable, being openly aggressive now. So I, I guess it, when it comes to that, I... I can be critical of him for that reason, but I will be critical of uh, why he's upset in this particular case. So LeBron uh, has angrily talked about how his team, the Cavaliers, needs more playmakers. Uh, They recently lost six out of eight, uh, and they won a couple of games, and then they lost a couple of games again. They lost to the Mavericks last night. Uh, Kevin Love has been hurt, and that, like that's that's embarrassing because Dallas has been horrible this year. I, I, I'm the first one to say that I was wrong before the season. I I thought that they were going to have, have a decent team, but uh, wow, are they bad right now? And they beat Cleveland. That's that's pretty impressive. Well, I mean, I I, I think Dirk is finally done. You know, after all, all this time of wondering when Dirk's going to hit the wall, the answer is now, right? Dirk's dead. Yep, this but, is it. 
You saw it with Kobe yeah. too. You realized you realized when Kobe was about to retire, like we knew last year, that was it, that Kobe was that was it. He's he was really done. Yeah, and I, I just mean I mean maybe he'll play another year, although I doubt it. I all I mean is that like he's not he, he's not even the like shell of Dirk that he's been the last couple of years, where he's still got the uh, fadeaway jumper and he can still put up 18 points a game consistently. He, but he's not, you know. He's not as athletic as he was, and he's sort of playing off of one foot. We don't even really have that Derek. He's just sort of there now. Yeah. But uh, well, yeah, anyway. he, he hasn't even really played a full season. He's only played in half his team's games up to this point, as far as I saw the other night. Uh, it's well, yeah, he's been injured a lot. But anyway, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to derail us here. Getting back to LeBron. Uh, so LeBron wants to play Curry. This, this team needs more playmakers. Have you seen this? And he's, it, I don't, I'm not really cool with this for a couple of reasons. One, look, look LeBron himself is a playmaker. Kyrie Irving is another playmaker. But more, more importantly, really, like, LeBron so many times has, like, tried to control this team's uh, roster. Just over and over again, like, Demanding yep. contracts for uh, guys like Tristan Thompson, uh, demanding a contract for J.R. Smith, going to and bat for his guys, and basically himself being the general manager for this team. But moreover, the Cavaliers recently traded for Kyle Korver, uh, a guy that they you know could use a shooter, didn't give up anything, and e- even more than that, like what does this team have that they could possibly give up in a trade? Other than uh, uh, you know either moving Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving, but it's going to get you the sort of uh, value you want back. But beyond that, like well, the I think he, has to the I'm sorry. I think I th- no, I think you hit it. They have they he wants them to move Kevin Love. Either that or he's ripping Kyrie Irving a new one because obviously Kyrie Irving is a playmaker. Uh, on the surface, that quote to me says that they he he doesn't he's tired of playing with Kevin Love and that Love needs to to be shipped off to somewhere that wants him for a player that can create his own shot and do a little bit more so LeBron can do a little bit less that's that's how i read that but LeBron but uh Kevin Love has played well this season it it you know while he's been healthy obviously uh while he's out he's not playing well but like uh He's had a much better year than he had last year. I feel like he's he's sort of found a way to fit in for the most part. Uh, I don't feel like it's a criticism of either Kevin Love or Kyrie Irving. I think it's it's LeBron saying we need more because I don't I don't think this team really needs another playmaker that much. Maybe they need another playmaker or two because the you know the rookies that they have behind Kyrie and LeBron are are pretty embarrassing. This guy Legans is not great, but but I don't think. And I understand why LeBron is is feeling exhausted. I don't know if you know this, Rui, but he's playing the most minutes in the NBA this year. Uh, and I think that's going really to matter. That, when it, that seems yeah. crazy. Yeah, when it comes to the playoffs, that's going to factor in, I feel like. Right? So, yeah, he's playing the most minutes in the NBA, and this te- the team is still not successful, but... To, to my mind, the reason that they're not successful has nothing to do with the lack of playmaking uh, beyond because LeBron, again, is going to have the ball in his hands so often, and when he's not, Kyrie's going to have the ball in his hands, and Kevin Love can also be a playmaker. 
I, don't, I think the issue is, frankly, is that their defense is slipping. If you look at all these games, you, you, they seem to be fine on the offensive end. They're, they're not the team they were uh, a couple years ago, even last year defensively. I don't feel like LeBron is bringing it every night on that end. Kyrie Irving's never, never a good defender, right? But I, I think, I think, obviously, you know, Moscow is no great shakes. But there are times if you put him on the floor that that he has defensive value. Uh, I think Thompson has slipped a bit on that end as well. And I just don't think I think. And you can tell me I'm crazy. This time last, I, I feel like every year we have this conversation with the Cavs. And last year, uh, they had this stretch in January where they didn't play well, much like the stretch now. And some of it, yes, has to do with the fact that Kevin Love's injured. But eventually, Ray, eventually they're going to go through one of these stretches. And it's not going to be, hey, the Cavaliers are just injured. It's, it's finally, we can, finally the Cavaliers are vulnerable. And I feel like this is the year that that they're actually vulnerable. And again, I know I know it sounds crazy, but it has to happen eventually, right? Yes, it definitely has to happen at some point. And honestly, I think that's part of what James has been banking on uh, for the past year or two, that he's just hoping that at some point LeBron James is going to fall off the face of the earth. The Cavs are, are not going to be a contender anymore. And look, all of a sudden, the Boston Celtics are the number one seed in the East. And I think that's what he's looking for over the next year and maybe even this year. Who knows if Cleveland falls off a cliff, then Toronto and the Celtics are going to be looking for it. But somehow Danny Ainge has figured out a way to to put the Celtics in position to apparently, from just looking at what's happened this year in the past month or so, they've really – we can get into that in a little bit more detail uh, in in a few minutes, but they've they've really made some strides as far as I can see. And – uh, I just I feel like they are in a good position to jump into that number one contender slot as far as the as the one seed in the East is concerned because everybody else looks mediocre and they're not making strides in the last month and Toronto looks just like they did last year so they're a contender as well but Cleveland doesn't look so infallible at this point they look a little bit vulnerable. And like you said, we do talk about this every year, but at some point it's going to be a real thing, just like with Kobe Bryant, just like with Dirk Nowitzki. You keep wondering when, just like with Tim Duncan, it happened to him as, as well. How many how many years can these guys play in the league? Kevin Garnett, when did he was he going to hit a wall? We're going to see it in a, three three days, five days with Paul Pierce. He's going to come back to Boston, and guess what? He's going to play maybe 20 minutes in that game, and he's going to be a shell of himself. It happens to all professional athletes. It happens to all teams that are going on a good run. And Danny Ainge, in my mind, has set the Celtics up to be there whenever it happens to Cleveland. And in hindsight, over the past year, all the criticism that we, we've given him, I think that they're in great shape. And Cleveland may get to the finals again this year. They may have another shot at it. But over the next couple of years, it's going to go away. And the Celtics look; their future looks brighter right. than Cleveland's at this point. Well, I'm um, here's the thing. I'm not talking about the next couple of years, right? What I'm saying is, I think Cleveland is vulnerable right now. Yeah. I, I would, why I'm not? not saying, I'm not saying LeBron LeBron's done, obviously. I'm not saying he's falling off a cliff. But again, playing the most minutes in the NBA, okay? The team defensively is not what it was. I feel like one of the other two teams 
in the East. Maybe you even want to throw in Washington or Atlanta, but I really feel like I feel like Toronto, one of those two teams, Toronto or the Celtics, in my mind, is in prime position with with just one more move, okay, to be the team that, that can upset Cleveland and get to the NBA Finals. And I think... Yep. I think that the Celtics uh, organization owes it to the Celtics fans and to, the, to these Celtics players who are playing right now to do everything they can to put themselves in that position. I would say the same thing to the Raptors and, the, and their fans. But what I, do, what I don't think, Murray, to, to sort of segue in, into the Celtics, is, and, and I've heard this conversation, you know, going constantly, like, well, we can't mortgage the future. We can't mortgage the future. But the point that I'm making to you is this team is close now. Isaiah Thomas, the year that he's having right now, you owe it to him, to him, to do what you can to try to win right now. Now, do, do I think that means trading away the Brooklyn picks? No, I, I don't. Unless it's for like an obvious superstar, that, that's fine. You don't have to trade those picks away. Oh. You can still have a future. But there's a middle ground there between not wanting to give up that future and, and saying, well, we, we don't want to trade any of our young players because, uh, you know, five years from now they may be good. But I, I like Jalen Brown. I get it. He's, he's young. He's athletic. So, he's, he shows potential on both ends. Let, let, me, just, let me just say before, before you go into your, your probably well-thought-out trade, I like Jalen Brown too, and I think that in the past uh, – 10 minutes I've I've probably flipped to the other side of this argument that we discussed at the beginning of the show so I want you to throw your stuff out there because I agree with what you just said about owing it to Isaiah Thomas and owing it to the the other guys that are really playing their heart out on this team and I've got a thought about Jalen Brown my Jalen Brown myself so throw your yours out there and uh, I'll follow up Okay, it's it's not that I have a specific Jalen Brown trade, although although I can get into that too. Uh, you know, if I if I put a little more effort into it, and and we can talk about guys who can who can be moved. But there's a reason why I think Jalen Brown should be the, the the primary piece if if the Celtics uh, make a trade. That he should be the the first guy that they should consider moving. And the reason why I think that very again is because if you just look at the ages of the guys that exist on this team now. Okay? Let's say let's say it pans out, even though I don't like uh assigning value to players who aren't on the team yet and who knows one exactly what pick the Celtics will end up with next year and two, who knows if that player will be a bust or pan out to be a great, right? So I, I hate being like, oh, yeah. two years from now the Celtics are gonna have all these superstars. I hate doing that before it happens. No. But yeah, you but can't let's do just that. say let's just yeah, but let's say let's say because if you're if we're saying that Jalen Brown is the big piece, then people were doubting him as the number three pick this year, so it can go either way on that one. So yeah, you're right. right. So, but let's just say hypothetically they get a guy like Fultz and he's and he's awesome, right? Even if even if all of those things are true, he's awesome right away. He's still not going to really be ready to be a a you know guy who leads the team in a play in playoff series that you win. For at least probably three seasons, four seasons. You know what I mean? Like Anthony Davis is like is like getting there right now. 
you, you see what I'm saying? So it's it's not an insult to any player. Right. To, to, there's no rookies who just even LeBron James was not like playoff ready his first three seasons. So, so by the time that happens, we're talking about you know again like a 30 year old Isaiah Thomas who's uh, you, you know a 30 year old Avery Bradley. The, 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 my issue is the timelines with the guys who are on this team right now. A 34, 35 year old uh, Al Horford in that scenario. These the guys who are on the team right now are not in, in the, the three year timeline for whatever rookie comes in. That's like accelerated. It's probably a five year timeline, right? If, if if you're really talking about like that guy's success on a playoff level, so to, so to my mind, even if even if the next guy you get from with these draft picks is awesome, it doesn't fit the timeline with the guys who exist right now. And I think you can. You can again. You owe it to them to try to succeed, considering the fact that I already tried to make the argument that the Cavs are vulnerable. But even if they're not, I feel like this team is good enough. The year Isaiah Thomas is good enough that well, you don't just sit back and waste it, right? You just don't. You don't do nothing, right? No, he needs. So you, if, yeah. if he's going to overpay at any point, it should be this year. And I, I think that my point on Jalen Brown is that it's it's not coincidental that he's starting now, okay? People, people seem to ignore the fact that every year around this time, there's a player on a team in the NBA or on 10 teams in the NBA. It doesn't matter who the player is. There's a player that starts getting more playing time right around January 20th, January 24th, something like that, because guess what? Three to four weeks later, the trade deadline is here, and you are trying to show the other teams in the league that this player is a, a player that's worthy of their attention. So I'm not surprised at all that Jalen Brown is, start, is starting recently. And yes, chalk it up to injury. Al Horford has been out. Chalk it up to Marcus Smart uh, throwing a fit on the bench and being sent to, to, or throwing a fit against the coaches on, on the bench in the middle of a game and then being sent to the bench and not being a starter anymore. Uh, chalk it up to whatever you want. But the point is, this kid, in my mind, if you want to talk slight conspiracy theory about Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics, they find a guy every year that they want to give a slight bump to in January, and they give him more playing time, and then he's gone by the trade deadline. And I don't have a list of names and minutes numbers to back it up. It's just a sense that I get over watching the, the Celtics uh, for the past, whatever, 20 years as a fan. I just I feel like there's always somebody that they they elevate just a little bit and then a few weeks later he's packaged away in a deal that may or may not end up helping the team. So I would not be surprised if Jalen Brown at this point was the guy that they trade away. I would be a little disappointed depending on who they got back. Obviously, if they're looking at the Bulls roster and they bring in a guy like Jimmy Butler, then I'm all for it. But if if you're if you're if you're just making a marginal move to try and give you a, a slight boost in the playoffs this year, uh, I don't I don't really know if I'd agree with that because while I do think you're right, they need to reward Isaiah Thomas and they need to give him a, a, a fighting chance in in this NBA playoffs. A marginal improvement is not going to do that. So either you make a big splash or you hope that he can do it again next year. Well, he, here's why Jalen Brown to me, okay? Uh, obviously, Celtics fans would probably rather move a guy like Marcus Smart, 
right? He, he, as far as the centerpiece, so you know, Smart and Avery Bradley. The thing about Jalen Brown is that he, because he was the third pick in the draft, okay, and he's shown some potential, he's going to have a, a significant amount of trade value. Maybe not as as much as Celtics fans would like, but still a, a not inconsiderable amount of trade value. And and if you move Jalen Brown, he's the guy you can move that that fits exactly what I'm talking about timeline wise. Jalen Brown, as well as he's looked, you know, at times this year, is not likely to be a significant part of this year's playoff rotation the way that a guy like Marcus Smart would be. If you trade Marcus Smart, then then all of a sudden you're you're taking away the ability to, you know, have that three guard lineup at times or have Marcus Smart guard, guard small forwards or the, the the things that partly some of the things that make the Celtics unique, even though I don't love Marcus Smart overall and he's one of the worst shooters in the NBA, and in theory it makes more sense to move him, it, in, in reality that takes away from the entire point that I'm making, which is this team right now needs to add a piece to put it over the top, and, I, and you're, you're sort of taking away a little bit more from the right now by moving Smart as opposed to Jalen Brown. Now, if you think Jalen, if you if you really think Jalen Brown is going to be a superstar and we can't move him, I I understand that that mentality, but I would also I think that a lot of times, uh, you, you know, teams are too reluctant to trade a guy just because he's young when it makes sense for the team picture to move him, and that's sort of how I feel about Jalen. Even even though his ceiling at this at this point is higher than Marcus Smart. It still makes more sense to move him because you're you're losing less of what this team is right now than you would be if you moved a guy like Smart. I I completely agree, and it, it's it's sad because I think the potential of Jalen Brown is, is something that uh, Celtics fans want to hold on to, and it's something that Danny Ainge probably overvalues, quite frankly. Um, but that's not a bad thing because that means that he's he's a great player and that he's going to have a future in this league. So that's even more reason to make the right move. You don't want to just ship Jalen Brown off to bring in Kyle Korver like the, the Cavs just did. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to just bring in a middling NBA player that's going to boost you a little bit and be, help you out and win around. You need to bring in a top talent that is is really going to make this team far and away better than all of the – mediocre teams that we were sort of talking about earlier, make them on paper better than Toronto and make them look like they can actually beat the Cleveland Cavaliers or else then you're not really rewarding Isaiah Thomas and you are just waiting to see if he can do it again next year. So if you're really going to make that move, you've got to make a big splash. So I I wouldn't want to see Jalen Brown or any of the Celtics players for that matter shipped off for a, a top 50 guy. You know what I mean? Because I think they have a few guys that might qualify as top 50 right now. And it, that that's that's not good enough. It needs, to, it needs to be somebody better. So it's either go big or do nothing at all if you're Danny Ainge in my mind. And that's where I'm a little concerned, Calvin, because I, I just, I don't want him to get that itchy trigger, trigger finger and say, well, I, I should do something. I, I don't want him to just pull the trigger on something because he thinks it'll make the team a little bit better. Go big or do nothing. Three. What if the big thing that they went for was Carmelo Anthony? I know, I know, I know. Right? Tell me if you heard this out. before. I'm out. Right? You're out. But 
here's the thing, Ray. Circumstances regarding Carmelo Anthony have changed, right? Because the Knicks now just want to get rid of this guy. They're obviously, hey. they're not going to accept nothing. They're not going to accept nothing for him. But if they're talking to the Clippers about a, about a scenario that lands them, you know, Austin Rivers and, uh, and you know, Jamal Crawford or J.J. Redick, I feel like the Celtics can compete with that. I mean, are we talking about sending off Jarebko? And, uh, like, I mean, who... What are we I talking mean, about here? Because well, let's, Austin let's say it's Rivers, Brown. it's Brown. It's Brown and Amir, Amir Johnson's contract and maybe Tyler Zeller's contract for Carmelo yeah, and Kyler. I mean, I do like O'Quinn's hustle. I'll, I'll give him that much. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, listen, I just – Jalen Brown doesn't mean that much to the to the chemistry of this team, but I feel like Carmelo Anthony could hurt that much for the chemistry of this team, and that's where I have a hard time with Carmelo Anthony. It has he changed? Really changed his tune? He wants out. He wants to play for the Celtics. He he because they're the hot new thing and they're looking good, and he thinks they can contribute. Or is he going to come here and and take shots away from Isaiah? and not play defense and get injured in the playoffs and not have the, the mind, the mentality that you need to, to play in the playoffs. Cause he's basically never been there. I mean, he, uh, maybe a couple of years he's had, a, he's had a couple of decent series, right? Uh, they did beat the Celtics one year. So it's, it, listen, I just, I don't buy into a guy like that. And if, if you're sacrificing, a really high potential player for the future in order to also potentially poison your team right now, that's a high risk, high reward. I'm looking for high reward. That's it. I don't need a high risk, high reward player. I don't trust Carmelo Anthony. That's my problem. But it's it's interesting to me because you, a couple of minutes ago, you said go big or go home, but wouldn't that be like as big as you could go? No, it, it's not that though. It's it's go big and in like a pretty much a guaranteed go big. I, I'm talking like I'm I'm pretty much looking at two two to three different type kind of kinds of players that you can go and get, and most of them are are untouchable at this point. I mean, you're not going to yeah, get Westbrook. Most, He's one of those guys, right? So go ahead. But what, so what you're saying is you can't go big. That's the, so what you're saying is because again, my thing is yeah, it could all blow up in your face. You're right. But everything, everything you just said about Carmelo Anthony, you could probably also apply uh, to meet a lot of people's thoughts uh, when the Celtics acquired Isaiah Thomas in the first place, right? I mean, a ball-stopping, me-first point guard who, uh, you know, sort of worked his way out of Sacramento mm. and was in a bad situation in Phoenix. I don't know if it really got that far. I, I think that people didn't really just – they just didn't know what he could be. They thought he was small. I, I – I don't think people were looking at him, at him as a ball stopper because he was touted as a, a scorer off the bench for the Celtics when he was acquired. So I, I don't really look at him. I think that he's he's a, a bigger surprise than, than anybody in the past, I don't know, probably 30 years for the Boston Celtics. No, my, my point is more of like what 
you, it sounds like you don't have confidence that, that this particular coaching staff, and maybe, and maybe it's fair at this point that this staff could do something with Carmelo because you feel like Carmelo's set in stone and he's never going to change what he I'm, is. See, yeah, I don't, I'm not, that's, no, Calvin, that's not a knock on the coaching staff at all. I think that they would do ev- absolutely everything they can uh, to, to fit him into a team if Danny Ainge does indeed pull the trigger on that. And Coach Stevens actually did say that he would be fine coaching a guy like that. So he just he coaches the players that Ainge brings in. That's that's his job. That's what he's there to do. So he it's not that they wouldn't be able to figure it out. It's that on the court, regardless of who you you are as a coach, you don't necessarily have control over Carmelo Anthony. And I I, I just I don't I'm I'm not seen from him over the course of his career that he has the ability to adapt on the court to other people's games. And he did have a little bit of a stretch where he was passing the ball and he looked like a, a real all-star and all this. And, and then he just, he, he went, but he reverted back to the old Carmelo. So I just, I don't buy into his game as far as what he does when he's actually on the court. And I'll tell you though, I did, when I, when I first heard that this rumor that he would be on his way to Boston, the thought did cross my mind. Well, I can, I can kind of see, Picture Brad Stevens saying, "Listen, Carmelo, you're not doing anything for me tonight. You're gonna go sit down, and we're we're gonna we're gonna run with with Jay and Marcus and Avery Bradley uh, and uh, Zeller if he's still around, and and Kelly Olenek and sorry, not all them, but Isaiah Thomas as well. Throw him out there. Uh, we're gonna run with these guys. You take a seat on the bench. It doesn't matter that it's the last three minutes of the game. I don't need you tonight. And that thought crossed my mind, and I thought, well, that would be something. I'd like to see that." Carmelo Anthony getting benched while on the Boston Celtics as they go on to victory. That would that would be something I'd like to see. I mean, that just sounds personal. You, you'd like to see Carmelo Anthony <laughs> punished while, while the Celtics go on and win without him. Well, okay, fine. So you're not interested in, in trading for Carmelo, even though, again, I feel like his value is, as, at this point is not comparable to uh, – I mean, his value in terms of what you have to give up in a trade is not comparable to – what he still provides, but I, I get maybe you think he doesn't fit into the deep concept. Let me let me throw some other guys out there who are uh, you know theoretically realistic options just to sort of gauge where you stand. Would you would you be willing to uh, move Brown in a trade that netted you Serge Ibaka? Brown and Amir. I'd rather I'd rather have I'd rather have Vucevic. Can I have him instead? You'd rather have Vucevic than I like Ibaka, Vucevic. Huh? I like I Vucevic like as, a, as a fit for the Celtics, although uh, Ibaka is the better uh, outside player, so I think maybe Stevens might like him a little bit more, but uh, I just, and better I don't know. I like I like Vucevic better as a player, in my in my opinion. I think that's a horrible decision, but I I feel like the Magic would probably still be willing to do that. But Fair okay, enough. But uh, let's see. Would you be willing to move uh, Brown in a trade for Nurkic? Another young player. Uh, yeah, I think I would. I like I like him as well. Okay. Would you be willing to do it in a trade for Millsap? That one I would say probably, but at the same time I'd be hesitant because Atlanta tried the Horford Millsap thing, uh, and they didn't really get it, although they didn't have a score like Isaiah Thomas. Uh, in, the, in the past, I've said that it might actually work if they have somebody like that. So I'd go with probably on that one and, and hope that they're not stealing any draft picks from you either. Yeah, I, I love Millsap personally. I, 
I saw a stat the other day that he was like, uh, he's just behind uh, Draymond and Rudy Gobert when it came to like defensive win chance. He's a, uh, pe- people don't realize oh, that Gobert. Millsap's one of the best. Defensive. Yeah, but people don't realize I'm... that Millsap's one of the best defensive players in the NBA. Listen, yeah, but, really so Go, Gobert is one of those guys that I think that you, that I would love to see in Boston. But there, if if Utah has any sense, there's no way they're giving him up. No, he's not going anywhere. But you know, who could potentially go somewhere because of Gobert is a guy like Favors. Would you would you involve Brown in a trade for Favors? I like Derek Favors, but uh, not as uh, not as much as I would say for Millsap. So I, I would. I'd probably I'd probably lean no on favors, but uh, that's intriguing to me because I do like Derek Favors. All right, fair enough. I I think I'll uh, as we get closer to the trade deadline, I'll I'll start looking into things and I'll I'll actually throw some specific this guy and this guy for this guy scenarios at you because I know how much you love them. Yeah, because you know what, Derek Favors is having a down year, so that's the type of guy that I think you might be able to get for cheap. So I mean, you probably wouldn't even have to send J- Jalen Brown out there to get a guy like that at this point. Um, but either way, that's a little rundown for us. <clears throat> it's almost 10 o'clock here. Uh, what's next, Calvin? Mellow. Oh, yeah, you want to touch on the, those those lovely Chicago Bulls, the, the uh, Chicago BSers out there? Man, do I just hope that they blow it up and ship Butler off to the Celtics. I would take that. All day, every day. That's the pipe dream that I'm just going to keep thinking about for the ne- until it doesn't happen. Great. Question one. And this this has, uh, connects also to uh, Dwayne Wade talking, uh, saying that LeBron was right for going after Charles Barkley. And uh, yeah, after the teams lost the other day, he said, "Oh, Dwayne Wade said, I'm 35 years old, man. I have three NBA championships. It shouldn't hurt me more than it hurts them. They have to want it." Can we talk about how that's a humble brag, first of all? I feel like he just wanted to point out his championships. But, <laughs> yeah, my question to you, Larry, is, is is Dwayne Wade, like, secretly kind of not a great guy? I sort of feel like... Secretly, I think, history. yeah, I think he's he's not, a, he's not a great guy. I think he's kind of smug, and uh, that's why he and LeBron get along so well, and I just, I, I, I don't know, I... I don't buy into the Dwayne Wade being this this lovable guy that everybody wants to play with, and that he just toes the line and all this. I, and there's something weird about that guy. Yeah, and and then it just seems like he's just corrupting that team, and maybe Rondo is factoring in into it as well. Although we'll get to that in a second. Jimmy Butler added after Wade made his comments, he says, "If you're not mad after you lose every game, something's wrong." This is your job. This is supposed to be what you love to do. Not everybody looks at it this way. I want to play with guys who care and play hard and want to do well for this organization. They want to win games. And then and then Ray Rondo came out, and I'm sure you saw this, posted a picture of himself on Instagram with Paul Pierce and Kevin Carnett, but notably not Ray Allen, in talking about how you know, when you play not. with those guys, yeah, when you play with those guys, they would never do that. And, like, that's not, yeah. Like you're supposed to lift young guys up, not bury them. And then, and then it, it comes out that uh, Dwayne Wade hasn't been practicing, and the young guys on the team would like it if Dwayne Wade practiced. So there's just chaos and turmoil going on in Chicago. Uh, somebody asked Dwayne Wade, 
whether or not Fred Hoiberg is losing control over this team, and he said he'd have to ask Fred. So it's not exactly a vote of confidence. Yeah, Wade sounds like an a-hole in this situation. He just he sounds like he's, he's totally given up and he doesn't care, and that he he thought that that he was going to be able to ride Jimmy Butler's coattails uh, to a, another NBA Finals or to uh, not an NBA Finals, but uh, an Eastern Conference Finals at least uh, against LeBron, LeBron James in Cleveland. He just he had a little bit of a pipe dream himself because while while I thought the Bulls were going to be good this year and they should have been good this year, they should still be good this year. Uh, they're just not, and they won't be because they have this turmoil because it seems Dwayne Wade has become a, a guy that you don't want around in an NBA locker room. And uh, I don't know. I, it just, it seems to me like they made a mistake bringing him there and they need to blow it up and uh, let him retire as a Chicago bull and ship Jimmy Butler off to Boston. That's, that's the campaign. Here we go. Bring him over. Bring Rondo with him. Send Rondo over, too. Stevens has no problem benching a guy like that. Bring him over. Do you think it's cool? For, do, you, do you think it was cool for Wade and Butler to call out teammates in the locker room, or do you think Rondo was right? Like, I feel like Rondo was right, but I, I'm hearing some people on the other side of this, like, hey, man, if they're not carrying their weight, they should be called out. But I feel like that's something that should be done behind closed doors, especially, like, if there's specific guys, they can no. There's it. a point. There's a point where you have to. I mean, they've probably tried it behind closed doors, knowing Rajon Rondo, and they they actually they definitely have tried it behind closed doors because of the the whole suspensions that were were happening, and they Fred Hoiberg saying they took care of things as far as Rondo's concerned, and he wouldn't he wasn't playing in a few games. I think they already tried it behind closed doors, and, and at this point, if that's who they're targeting, Rajon Rondo, then. He probably deserves it because he's a head case. He always has been, and maybe he that maybe that that's that's all he is is a guy that needs two uh, really calming presences. Even though Kevin Garnett is also a nutcase, but as far as leadership on the court and things like that are concerned, KG and Paul Pierce were a calming presence for Rajon Rondo, uh, and they they got him for for whatever reason. Obviously, Allen didn't, but. For whatever reason, they they knew how to deal with Rajon Rondo, and if those are the only two guys that he can deal with in the NBA, then screw him. He doesn't deserve to win. Well, actually, surprisingly, Rondo's gotten a lot of praise from the young guys on that team, saying like, uh, I think Miritich came out and said that like he's never had a better teammate than Rajon Rondo. So, I think in in Rondo's case, it's just the fact that he can't play basketball anymore. You know, the NBA obviously moved away from what his skill set was. But I just don't think that you can be, and this is why I didn't think the Bulls were going to be good. You can't really, you know, be a high-functioning guard and not be able to shoot unless you play, you know, crazy good defense. And Rondo doesn't do that anymore either. Yeah, he should. He should. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's. He's wasted his career at this point. He had so much potential, and uh, he just he took. He took it for granted or something, or he. He saw the championship in Boston and said, that's enough for me. I don't need any more than that, and, and, and just started making his money. I don't know. I don't want to put thoughts out there that aren't true or anything like that, but just from 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 outside, it, it sort of seems like he, he wasted a lot of potential in the NBA. I thought he was going to be one of the next best point guards of all time, and he just is not. It's, it's a shame. I mean, maybe the, maybe the ACL tear had something to do with it. Maybe. Maybe. Anyway. All right. Anyway is right. 
we are going to wrap it up with this next topic. And it's, uh, you know, it's... Do we have Liz? So Liz said, that, Liz said that she was going to let me know if she wants to pipe in, basically. Um, okay. So we might, we might be going to Liz in this segment. We'll have to wait and see. I guess we're going to let her figure it out. Uh, it's, it's, it's more of a serious topic than we really touch on, but I think we're trying to keep it focused on how it affects players in the NBA. Uh, but there has been a travel ban issued related to the United States and uh, Muslim-based countries is is the is the way the best way to describe it, I guess. Predominantly Muslim countries is the best way to describe it, as uh, as listed by President Donald J. Trump. And this is actually affecting some some NBA players and other professional basketball players throughout the world. Certainly, yeah. On on an international level, it's affecting uh, players. And when it comes to uh, uh, CBA, it's affecting them. But when it comes to the NBA, yeah, most of the – there are just a couple of players from uh, Muslim-based countries, specifically South Sudan. Uh, Those players are Thonmaker. And uh, the other guy is all dang from the Lakers. And the thing is, is that Milwaukee played a game the other night in Toronto, and there was some question about whether or not Mika would be allowed uh, to come back into the United States. I guess their status is, is still, uh, you know, not completely settled. I, I don't know if they're trying to work on some sort of exemption. For now, he was let back into the country. But it's something that people are legitimately concerned about. You know, the Lakers are going to have to play in Toronto at some point. They're, you have to travel out of the United States to play an NBA team. That's going That's going to be an issue. And like you said, we don't really talk about politics very much. I don't really want to get into the, the, the meat of the politics of this, but I think it's, it's a scary thought to think that you're a guy in an NBA team and if you leave the country, you're not going to be allowed back. You potentially could not be allowed back in. And I, I think it is a parallel to what's going on on a larger scale in the country. Yeah, well, you know what? I don't I don't know how many uh players from from predominantly Muslim countries are in the NHL, but there are what four or five franchises in Canada uh, that they're they're having they're having to go back and forth all the time. So, if, if there are anybody any any players in the NHL from from those countries, they're going to have a hard time as well. And that's just a, like you said, it's, it's a smaller scale, a, a small sample size to look at compared to what's happening throughout the country and throughout the world right now, because uh, I read a story the other day about a couple of guys that are basically just out of college. They're, they're playing in, in uh, one of the Iranian basketball leagues and they were on like a holiday uh, or, or uh, that for the two weeks that the team sent them off to Dubai or something like that. And they are not allowed back in Iran because they're from the United States. They're guys that, graduated college in the United States, they're U.S. citizens, and they're not being allowed back into that country as retaliation for for what uh, President Trump has, has laid down here. So the ramifications of politics are, are, are getting down in, into the weeds here, if you will. It's getting down into, into the things that, that we are supposed to look at and to be able to talk about without discussing politics. 
And the NBA is is one of the best leagues at dealing with things like this, whether it's LGBTQ uh, issues or whether it's just any any sort of race issue. The NBA always seems to be ahead of the other leagues as far as this is concerned. So they are very worried about what this travel ban is going to do for their players and for players in the D league and, and what have you. Uh, so it's definitely a relevant topic to, to discuss on, on the show as far as sports is concerned, because this is, in my mind, this is not something that needs to be tied to politics. When, when political doctrines and just all these, and anything, any sort of executive order or anything like that starts affecting the things that we're, we're supposed to look at as fun and entertainment, which is basically what professional sports are. And it also affects people's lives because it affects these athletes as far as their families and things like that. That's when you, you're starting to cross the line. Uh, and, and that's where I, I think that uh, I, some of these executive orders that he's thrown out there are, are really uh, things that aren't necessary. And he needs to focus on other, it, other issues that might actually help the country. Yeah, hopefully yeah, the executive order is supposed to be temporary. I mean, I, I hope that that's the case in, in terms of uh, just discontinuing to be a problem. But it's obviously creating a lot of problems already in people's lives, and that's unfortunate. But So I don't really have too much to say. I just felt like we, it, because it did have a sports angle, I wanted to shine a light on it. Wow, so all right. I guess I just went on a Trump rant, and uh, that's, that's that. Um, that is that. <laughs> Liz, I don't know if she wants on or not. I don't think she wants to say anything. She just wants to bite her tongue on the whole situation. Um, but I will commend her for going down to Washington, D.C. and marching in the, the Women's March. So she, she was there. Claps for Liz. Claps for Liz. No, nothing? Oh, and maybe I, oh, you oh, know what, I'm not going to play the Goo Goo Dolls. I'll just, I'll be nice. I'll play, uh, I'll play Poison. Oh. Anyway, Liz wants on. Apparently, she wants on. Well, that's not yeah. what she said. She just was talking about some sort of. Oh, now you want to say this topic? Okay, fine. Hello, Liz. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Hey, can you hear me? Yep. Yep. No, oh, great. I send you so many messages, and you you didn't see any of them, did you? No, I saw the ones about Trump. I wasn't going to say that on the air. <laughs> I do. I was laughing over here because it it took for it to leech into sports for you to to be so annoyed by it. But yes, that yeah, that's what we do around here. We talk about stupid crap. We're not here to talk about politics. We're here to have some fun. We're here to have, relax a little bit, and we're here to talk about something that entertains us. So when when, the, when these politicians, I, I don't care it. who you are, when the politicians get their hands, their grimy hands on my basketball. I don't like it. Right. I don't want to play right. with that ball anymore. Right, Rory. It's your body, your rights, right? Like, I get it. I'm with <laughs> there you. There she is. Don't worry. There she is. All right. <laughs> um, no, the the thing that I thought was hilarious is I keep hearing this this um, campaign, and I really should do research because I don't know what company it's doing is doing it, but they're trying to get the day after the, the big game to be a holiday. And they're calling it, yep. like, Monday or something like that? <laughs> you could just call it the Super Bowl, but sure. Yeah, Big Monday. No, I'm I'm calling it the Big Game. <laughs> you don't have to call it the Big Game. Yeah, people, I'm calling it the Big Game because people like sports call it the Big Game. 
That's they football call it. contest. Big big game. Football big game. contest. Um, NFL denied Barstool Sports Super Bowl press credentials because of their deflate case. Anyway, that was a good one. You should have brought that up. It's so amazing. What else do you have here? What, what is it? Um, Shines ketchup or something? Yeah, so so they're trying to collect like 100,000 signatures because they think it's going to be enough for like for them to call it a federal holiday because there's something like 1.6 million people call out the day after the Super Bowl. Hmm. And it is so amusing to me that they think they're going to make it into a holiday. <laughs> it's so yeah, crazy. It's, it's Monday. The thing about the thing about holidays though is is if they did, even if they did make it a holiday, I feel like most holidays are fraudulent. So unless you yeah. work in a bank or yeah, unless you work at like a bank or someplace that recognizes all holidays, you're right. probably still going to have to go to work that day. Well, I mean, where I work, we recognize all any and all holidays. <laughs> And I yeah, always, Liz just wants another day off. That's what she's guess, looking for. I guess my, my major beef with it is that I don't know if I'd call it Schmonday because that doesn't even seem like the Monday. logical combination. It's not, it's not, it's not Schmonday. There's no, no H. It's Schmonday. <laughs> oh, no. I swear to God, it's Schmonday. No, I'm looking, I'm looking at it. It's You're looking at it. Monday. Oh, it's Schmonday. I don't like Schmonday more. There's no Ooh. H. I, I kind of like the H more. I'm, really, I'm not gonna lie. So, so okay, great. <laughs> I was just Monday, 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 And it was guys. It was Heinz. Look at me. Look at me. Getting my back. Um, what do you guys think about that? Do you think it should be a holiday? No. 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 Go great. to work. Go to work, yeah. America. Go Suck it up. DVR of the Super Bowl. What do you care? Oh boy. Okay. Maybe maybe like a local holiday. Actually, that that here's the thing. Well, what if it was just a, a local holiday for the winning Super Bowl team? That it way, basically like a is. National, Calvin, like a wait a minute. It basically is timeout. Every Super Bowl winner has a parade in the next tw- forty-eight yeah, hours. I, I know. So it's either Monday know, or it's Tuesday. So that's the holiday. No. But, but what I'm what I'm saying is is that you you punish local businesses when their team wins the Super Bowl by. <laughs> Uh, forcing them to pay their employees for for a holiday day. Um, so, can I go a step further and say that it should just be a holiday in the Massachusetts area because the Patriots always win? What up? Take that. Take that. This is what I'm today. talking about. This is what I'm talking about with the overconfidence here. I don't understand this. We have the bad move. I have to say. Move. I have to say. I give. Wait. Can I? I can't swear. I give zero cares about. Who wins the Super Bowl? Because I have squares, and all I care about are winning my square. This is what happens when I gamble on any sport. When I play fantasy football, or if I don't play, I don't care uh-huh. about who wins. I just want, I want me to win. I'm too competitive. Well, I'm looking for. I'm the same way. I'm looking for one and three. One and three. Oh, I think I am too. No, I'm one and six. I lied. Oh, uh, womp womp womp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, you, what, what kind of situations are you guys? I, I do squares like four minutes before the Super Bowl starts. Hey, man, these things sell out early. Yeah, I've, I've squares through this uh, old man club that my dad goes to, and the pots are like $1,200 a, a quarter. That's awesome. I will get back. 
Eight and zero too. Eight and zero. Give me eight and zero. All right. Um, I think I think uh, that's uh, that's it for for us here. Unless Liz has any more intriguing topics to discuss. Um. Yeah. What's your favorite cracker? <laughs> Depends on what you're eating eating with it. I. And that is a very very valid point. But okay, fine. What's better, whiskey of uh, triscuits or wheat thins? Triscuits wheat all day. Oh no. But no, wheat thins are better. Triscuits or Chris? No. You guys are dumb. You're That's going to... You know what, Liz? You know what you just did for yourself, Liz? No. Don't do it. Don't do it. I had one week. And I don't want the world to see me. Because I'm pissed off for greatness. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Ray Lewis. Thank you, Liz. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. And Calvin, thank you, sir, for joining me again and letting me rant a little bit and keeping me at bay for the most part. Yeah, because I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't let you rant. How how often do I rant on this? (laughs) Fair enough. Go Pats. 28-20. That's the final. Here we go. Kick it off. Enjoy the game, buddy. I'm going to hit the music. Where did it go? Yeah, enjoy the game. All right, thanks. You too. Good luck. Good night, everyone.